Thank you all for being here this morning. It's good to see everyone. I think God's got a word for us. We're going to start in Genesis 1 and 1. And we're probably going to end up in Revelation. Hard to believe that anybody can get from Genesis to Revelation in 30 minutes. I can't believe it either. (laughs) See, it probably won't happen. But anyway, let's pray. Father, you're so good to us, Lord. Thank you, God, for inviting us into your house, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that your name is the name above every name, God. Thank you, Jesus, that fear trembles at your name, Lord. Thank you, God, that sin, sickness, and disease is conquered at the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have provided for us that we can come boldly into the throne room of God. We thank you, Jesus, that we can come. You restored our relationship back to the Father. That we can come into the throne room, into your presence, Father, without being consumed because we come in the righteousness and the purity of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that our words this morning would be your words. God, I cover the words that will be planted into our hearts, the seed with the blood of Jesus, Lord. That the fowls of the air can't pluck this seed out, Lord. That it won't fall on hard ground, Lord, and be trampled underfoot. That it won't fall on on stony ground and not have root, Lord. But this seed would go down deep and would make roots in our heart, Father. Dad, I pray that this, this seed that's going to come forth in our lives, this plant that you're planting this morning, Father, would not be choked out by the cares of this life, but the desire of other things and the deceitfulness of riches. But it would bring forth fruitfulness, God. That your word would, would grow in our hearts, Lord. That our hearts would be broken up and fallow. And that would bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold fruitfulness, Lord, for your glory. That your kingdom come, that your will be done in our lives, Father. We thank you, Daddy, that you hear our cries, that you hear our prayers. That you know everything that touches us, Lord. I pray that my words, God, you'd give me the tongue of the learned, Father. That the gainsayers would not be able to stand against the word that you bring forth, Father. I pray, God, that my words would be fitly spoken. That they would be apples of gold and sockets of silver. That your name would be lifted up, Father. Draw us close to you. Teach us and train us in the ways of the Lord, God. And we plead the blood of Jesus on this word. On our ears to hear, to understand. On our minds to comprehend. On our hearts to receive the seed of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Bless your name, Father. Bless your name. Amen. Okay, the kids, um, they're going to be practicing for their Christmas shindig. If uh, young kids, you can go to the back there. They're waiting on you. Take you to kids' church. And if everybody else would turn to Genesis 1 and 1, that's where we're going to start. And we are going to end up in Revelation, Lord willing. All in today. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was formless and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. It's like somebody turned on a light switch. Everything was dark and void. And the whole earth was just like a big blob. Everything was messed up. Void. But God spoke it into existence. He said, let there be light. In John 1 and 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And everything that was created was created by Him. And without Him, nothing was created that was created. So Jesus... 
was with God in the beginning, creating everything. So day one, on this says, God created the light, and he saw that it was good. And he said, and he saw the darkness also. And the day he called, the light he called day, and the night he called darkness. Then God came to day two. In day two, God created the firmament. He said, let there be a firmament to divide the waters above the firmament from the waters below the firmament. It's what we know as the sky, our atmosphere, and the land. He created a firmament, day two. And the evening and the morning was the second day, day two. But God didn't say that was good. Why? I'm not sure. Day three, God said, let the dry land appear. Let the waters be gathered together. And the waters that were gathered together, God called seas. And the dry land he called earth. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning was the third day. Oh, also on the third day, God made the grass and the plants and the trees. And all the herbs, everything that grows out of the ground, God made on the third day. And the the evening and the morning was the third day. God saw that it was good. On the fourth day, God made the sun and the moon and the stars. He said, let there be a great light. There will be great lights in the heavens to let them be for days and years and signs and seasons. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. That's what we call the sun and the moon. And then it also says, and God made the stars. Just kind of nonchalantly. Yeah, it's easy. God just, he just made the stars. And the evening and the morning was the fourth day. And God saw that it was good. And the fifth day, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. And he created all this thing that lives in the sea. He created the fish, the whales, the dolphins, anything that swims that lives in the water, God created on day five. And he also created all the birds. He said, let them bring multiply abundantly in the heavens, in the firmament. And he made birds, he made bats, he made uh, anything that flies, ladybugs, anything that flies in the air, God made on day five. Then we come to day six. God said, let the land bring forth beasts of the earth, all cattle, all creeping things that crawl on the earth. And then God come, he saw that it, he also said, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, remember Jesus is with God in the beginning, because in the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word made flesh. That's in John also. And God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, because remember the Spirit on day one was hovering over the waters. So God says to Holy Spirit and to Jesus Christ, let us go down and make man in our image. He didn't say let's go. He said let us make man in our image and our likeness. So God was talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God had created everything that was created, the whole earth, everything. And he's down to the sixth day. And he said, let us create man in our likeness and our image. Multiple. So God takes Adam. Adam's nothing yet. It's just dirt. It's like playing with Play-Doh. God, I don't know if he spit on the dirt, made mud. It didn't say. He may have because Jesus created eyes that way. He gets down 
And God forms. The Bible said the other. He said, let it be. He spoke it into existence. But when God got ready to make man, to make mankind, he gets down on the ground and the Bible says he forms it out of the dust of the earth. He mixes up the dirt with some water. Kind of like playing with Play-Doh. Can you imagine God getting down on the earth and playing with Play-Doh? So God forms the perfect man. It's like G.I. Joe without a uniform. He's got, he forms a head, puts two ears on him, puts one eye in the middle, and that don't look good. He puts two eyes. He puts a mouth on him, and he makes Adam. And the Bible says he forms him out of the dust of the earth. Here's a perfect man, but he's dead. He's lifeless. God had formed him with his hands, but there was no breath in him. There was no life. He wasn't a living soul. He was just like a sculptor had sculpted a masterpiece. And he had sculptured Adam, mankind, the first man. I don't know if he put a belly button in him or not. He may not have. But he sculptures Adam. And he's laying there on the ground. And God, the Bible says, in the second chapter of Genesis, that God is going to breathe breath into the life of Adam. So I think he gets down on the ground, and he puts his head down, and he starts to breathe life into Adam. But I think he stops. And he looks over at Jesus and Holy Spirit. What do you think was going through his mind at that time? God is about to create mankind. But he looks at Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. And I think what God was doing was what he told us to do. In Luke 14, 28, he talks about what man goes to build a tower and doesn't count the cost ahead of time to see if he has enough money to finish the tower. Because if he goes to build something, if you're going to build a house and you don't have enough money to finish it, then people will laugh at you and say, well, he didn't have enough money. He didn't know what he was doing to build this tower. It also says what king is going to battle doesn't check to see if he can defeat that king who has more men than him with less men. So he says... He's telling them there to count the cost. God was counting the cost. If God breathed into Adam, what was going to happen? He looks at Jesus. And I think Jesus starts to look down through time. He lets his mind go on down through time. And Jesus sees Adam and Eve after God created Eve. And he sees how perfect everything is. The whole world is perfect. The garden is perfect. Adam is perfect. Eve is perfect. They're the best looking people on the planet. They're the only people on the planet. God sees, Jesus starts looking down through time. And he sees everything is perfect. And the only thing that Adam had to do, he had one commandment. Just one. Wouldn't that be easy? Don't eat one fruit. Don't eat the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. There was one tree that Adam couldn't eat of. And Jesus He's looking down through time and he sees Eve pluck a piece of that fruit from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Take a bite of it and give the fruit to her husband, Adam, who was there with her, the Bible says. And Adam takes the fruit and takes a bite of it. And he dies, but not immediately. The glory departs from Adam. I think him and Eve were clothed in the glory of God. 
And Jesus sees that Adam is bringing sin on the whole world with one act of disobedience. How many acts of disobedience have we done? One fruit? One bite? So Jesus is looking at God and he's letting his mind keep running. He goes and he sees Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden. He sees that they have sons, Cain and Abel. And he sees one day as Cain gets angry at Abel because of his jealousy. Because Cain wanted to do things his way instead of God's way. And Cain goes out into the field with his brother Abel. And when Abel does not suspect him, maybe Cain picks up a rock. Maybe he picks up a club, a stick. And he walks up behind Abel. And he smites him. The Bible said he smote his brother. And he hit him so hard that he killed his brother. Jesus sees the first murder. And Abel dies. And God said Abel's blood cried out from the ground for God to take vengeance on Cain. Jesus sees Adam fall. He sees Cain, the first murderer. He keeps looking until men get so wicked. The Bible says that the thought of the intent of their heart was evil continually. They couldn't have a good thought. And they said it got to the point where Noah was the only man left alive that was pure in his generations. Him and his sons. I think he was saying that God had to destroy the world because of wickedness but also because Noah was the only one left alive that still had pure human blood. He was the only one pure in his generations. If you have people on earth that are part human and part spirit, or part, uh, they call them Nephilim, or the fallen sons of God, part angel and part human, they can't die to pay for everybody's sins. Noah was the only one left. I think Noah was the only one left. The Bible says he was the only one left that was pure in all his generations. So man gets so wicked that God sends a flood and Jesus is watching and he sees down through time and he sees that it's so wicked that there's a flood and only eight people survive. If you ever go to the Ark Museum, uh, Answers in Genesis, they've got a replica of the Ark. It's huge. It's like bigger than a football field. Like 500 some feet long. It's like the real Ark. And on this ark, only eight people survived. you think there were any empty beds on the ark? There was room for thousands of animals. All the monkeys were there, the dinosaurs, the cheetahs, the birds, two of every kind, seven of all kinds of all the clean. All the animals were on the ark, but there was only eight people. The they estimate that there could have been 4 billion, almost half the population of the earth now, on the planet at that time. And Jesus looks down through time and he sees how wicked man has become. That God has to send a flood and kill all those people or the whole creation would be lost. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He keeps looking down through time. And he sees down to our day. Well, he sees it into Israel's day. When Israel was God's chosen people. And Israel had become so wicked, just like God had to destroy the earth at Noah's flood. Israel had become so wicked, they were worshiping a God called Molech. Molech was a big brass god. Arms outstretched like this. He was hollow inside. 
they built a fire. He kind of had a head, kind of looked like a cow or something. And he had, they would build a fire inside of it. And they would take their babies. And if you wanted your baby to live and be blessed by this false god, Molech, you would pass your baby between the scalding hot arms of Molech. That was how you blessed your child. And if you really wanted to bless him, if you really wanted to prosper in this world, for Molech to bless you, you offered your child, your firstborn, on the arms of Molech, the red heart arms of Molech. They would play music and they would play it so loud that you couldn't hear the baby scream. That's how wicked it had become. Jesus was looking through time and he looked at God. What was Jesus thinking? Should we breathe into Adam? Look what they're ending up doing. But then Jesus keeps looking down through time. Not only does he see Molech, he sees all the way to where we're at right now. He sees down to September the 24th, 2021. H.R. 3755, September the 24th. You know what Jesus sees? He sees 218 demon quacks. I call them that because you have to be demonically inspired or insane to vote for something like this. Jesus looks down through time. He sees September the 24th. He sees 218 of our leaders in this country. 218 leaders. Vote for H.R. What is it? 3755. Thank God there was a, it hasn't gone into law. Do you know what this says? They call this Women's Health Protection Act. Women's Health Protection you know what it does? It takes away all restrictions, almost all restrictions against abortion. This bill says if your baby is about to be born tomorrow, you can kill it today. A perfectly baby, perfectly formed baby in the mother's womb can be taken and killed one day before its birth. Oh, that's okay. That's women's health. You know what else Jesus saw? You know that a baby starts to develop its nervous system at five weeks. Just five weeks. A little bit more than a month. And then several weeks after that, a baby responds to stimuli from outside of the womb. A baby can feel what's going on. You know what this bill says? This bill says that you can't even give that baby anesthesia. If your limbs were going to be ripped from your body... If it's going to kill you, wouldn't you like to have some anesthesia so it would kill the pain? Not these 218 congressmen. Have we become worshippers of Molech? 218 congressmen have been. Nancy Pelosi, the leader of the House, she's the one that brought this bill. They're the ones that voted for it. You know what else is in this bill? If your minor daughter is going for an abortion, they don't have to let you know. You have to know if they pierce her ears, but they don't have to tell you if she's going for an abortion. They also said you don't even have to be a doctor to do an abortion. 
This is women's hell. Jesus saw. I looked here for West Virginia congressmen's names. They're not on there. Thank God. But if you live in Virginia, here's some names. These are the names of the ones who voted for this. How could you vote for that? Kill a baby. Do you know how they kill the babies? It's kind of graphic. They use evacuation and it pulls the baby piece by piece out of the mother's womb with no anesthesia. Then when it's done, they have to piece the pieces back together to make sure they got all of the child so the mother doesn't die from infection. Or they use saline solution and sometimes the babies come out they look like they've been burnt just like the arms of Molech. It causes the mother to eject the baby. And here's probably the worst part of all. If that baby is born alive from a botched abortion, the baby is delivered, the baby is alive, the abortion failed. It was supposed to kill the baby. The baby's laying on the table alive. This bill says you do not have to give it medical attention. So what do you do with it? It's a live baby. No medical attention. They voted for that. Virginia Representative Donald Bayer Jr. Representative Jerry Connolly. Elaine Lurie. Donald McEachin. Bobby Scott. Abigail Spanberger. Jennifer Wexton. Right in Virginia. These are the representatives of Virginia that voted for this. There's 218. Every one of them. Democrats. You should never vote for anybody that would vote for something like this. My God. How could you do that? How could these people vote for something like that? How could you put your baby in the arms of a burning God? How could we get that wicked? Jesus is still looking. You know what he sees next? He sees the wickedness of Nathan Morris. He sees every sin I've ever committed. Every thought that I've ever had that was wicked. And he sees your wickedness. The Bible says that none are righteous. No, not one. Yeah, we look good when we compare ourselves to this world. When we compare ourselves to the demon quacks, we're the good guys. But you see, God doesn't compare us to this world. What we have to measure up to is the righteousness of God Almighty. And God is absolutely pure and absolutely holy. And He can't let one little sin pass. If He lets one little sin pass, then He's not just. He's not holy. He's not God. And He is not righteous enough to judge the rest of the sin. If He lets my lie, if I told a lie when I was a little kid, and I knew that it was a lie and it was wrong, if God lets that sin go by, Ah, he's just a kid. He knows right from wrong, but ah, he's just a kid. If God lets that go by, then he has to let Hitler go who murdered six million Jews. He has to let Stalin go, the socialist communist in Russia. Him and Mao Zedong, they said they murdered over a hundred million of their own people. A hundred million people just because they disagreed with them. Because see, that's the only way you can control people. 
threaten them with death. Because the government is the God. Jesus looks down through time and he sees the wickedness of Nathan. He sees your wickedness because every one of us have sinned. The Bible says if you hate your brother without a cause, you're committing murder in your heart. Jesus said if you look on a woman lustfully, you don't have to do nothing. You just have to keep the wrong thoughts in your brain. Then you've committed adultery in your heart. We are all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus kept looking down through time. And he saw where every one of us ended up. You know where we deserve to go? He saw where every sin was punished. In the lake of fire. Every human being that has ever lived on this planet. Burning in the lake of fire at the end of time. Nobody made it. But, let's go back about 2,017 years. Let's see what else Jesus saw. He was looking down through time. He saw a man. The man had his hands behind his back, tied. He was blindfolded. And there was a being of Roman soldiers beating him in the face. One would punch him in the face. Who hit you that time? You're a prophet. Tell us who did it. Come on. And he saw him. They took the same man. They spit on him. They mocked him. And he saw a whole crowd, and the crowd was yelling, Crucify! Crucify! Murder him! Kill him! He's not fit to be on this planet. Then he saw him take this man, and these big Roman soldiers took a thorn bush, wrapped it in a circle, and wove it into a crown. And they placed the crown with three-inch thorns on top of this man's head. And they took a stick and they smote the crown and drove the thorns down into the head of this man, into the skull. And it was excruciating pain. And they heard, he saw this man cry out in pain. And Jesus kept watching down through time. And they took this man and they shackled his hands up on a post and stretched him out to where his back would be stretched. They took a cat of nine tails, which is a, a whip with nine strands. And at the end of each strand, there's a ball of lead or a ball of metal or a piece of bone. And they would lay this. He watched as they took this man, shackled him to this post. And they beat him with this cat of nine tails over and over and over until he looked like a monster instead of a man. The Bible says this man's visage was marred more than any other man. He hardly looked like a man. And this beating was so severe, they said sometimes you could see the internal organs of the victims. And from the blood loss, from the trauma, they unshackle this man. And he falls down in the pool of his own blood. And they force him to get up. And Jesus watches as they force this man to get up. And they throw a rough cross beam of wood across his back. And they force him to get up and walk up the street to a place called Golgotha. The pain is so excruciating. The weight is so much. The blood is so so much blood loss that he can't carry the beam. And he falls down on his knees. And they make a guy named Simon of Cyrene carry the beam for him. And he carries it. And they hand the half drag and half walk this man up to Golgotha. 
They throw the rough beam down. And Jesus watches as they take this man and they throw him down on this cross beam and they take his arms and one soldier gets one and one soldier gets another and they stretch him out on this cross beam and they take a nail, a six inch nail, and they put it in the wrist. What we call the base of the hand. Right here where your carpal tunnel nerves goes right through your hand. And they drive the nail. And it severs the tendons and the nerve endings or presses against it. It causes excruciating pain. It causes the hands to spasm and spurt blood. And Jesus watches, or Jesus watches down through here as they do this to the other hand of this man. Then he watches as they put the cross beam on an up beam. And they bend his knees and they drive a nail through the heel into the side of the cross. And they do the other one. So he's, they take the cross and they push it up and they drop it down in a hole on Golgotha. And Jesus watches as that man is hanging there on that cross. And he has to push up with his feet to exhale the air because his bones all came out of joint. And it was pressed against his lungs. And they say you can't exhale air. So you have to breathe. And you have to push against the nails. And it causes excruciating pain to run up through your body again. And he has to let the air out. And then sag back down again. And he watches until that man on that cross dies. And Jesus looks at that man on that cross. And he knows who it is. It's him. He's the Word made flesh. Jesus knows if God breathes life into Adam, then he was going to have to die on that cross. Because if he didn't, then every one of us would be there in the flames of hell. What was Jesus going to do? What was God the Father going to do? Jesus looks at the Father. The Father looks at Jesus. You know what Jesus says? I think he smiles back at the Father. He says, <laughs> I'll do it. He looks at the Father. And the Father knows what he's thinking. And the Father gets down on his knees. He puts his mouth over Adam's nostril, is what the Bible says. And he breathes a forceful breath of life into Adam. Adam. <gasps> takes a breath of air. Maybe he rubs the dirt out of his eyes. And he sees God the Father. He sees God the Son, Jesus Christ. And he sees God the Holy Spirit. And Adam communes with them just like I'm talking to you. I think Jesus smiled because the Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured cross. Why would there be joy? What was the joy set before Jesus? <laughs> the Bible says in Revelations, I think 13.8, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. So we know that Jesus knew what was going to happen to him at the foundation of the world before God breathed into Adam. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. He knew all that was going to happen. He had looked down through time. But his joy was to do the will of the Father. And guess what the Father wanted? <laughs> Ooh. Father wanted you. Father wanted me. He didn't want anybody to die in those flames. 
Father had looked down through time too. And guess what Father did? Go to Revelation 17 verse 8. And you know what the Bible says? In 13 verse 8 it says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. In 17 verse 8 it says that their names were written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. God had your name. He saw that through time. He knew if you was going to repent of your sins. And He already had your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. Because everyone who's not written down in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the flame of fire is what God said. Every one of us who have repented of our sins have our names written down in God's Lamb's book of life. Jesus is the Lamb. It's His book. He's the one that did it. And as Jesus looked down through time, He saw Nathan Morse. But He saw Nathan Morse repent of his wickedness. He saw every one of you. And if you have repented, He saw you repenting of your wickedness. Every one of us have sinned. But it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All. He doesn't want anybody in hell. But we get to choose. So the question is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? When Jesus looked down through time, was you part of His joy? Did He see you? Did it make Him happy? Did it make Him say, I am willing to go through hell to save Nathan Morris. I am willing to be tortured and tormented to death to save Nancy Pelosi and the 218 demon quacks that voted for murder. I'm willing to go through torturous death on the cross for all those people who offered their babies on the arms of Scott Molech. Jesus Christ was willing to do it for you and for me. So the question this morning is, is there anybody here who hasn't had their name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Is there anyone? Is there anybody on Facebook? Here's what you have to do. You have to say, Romans 10 and 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, you are Lord, I believe it. I want you to rule my life. If you confess the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that He rose from the dead, Jesus, I believe you actually rose from the dead because you were actually murdered on a cross. You let Him kill you. Then you will Be saved. You turn from your sin. It's called repentance. And you live for Jesus. Is there anyone here that would like to do that? Anyone that would come, fall on your knees and call out to Jesus now? He will forgive you for your sins. Let's all bow our heads. Oh God, you're such a loving Heavenly Father. You're so merciful to us. Jesus, thank you, God, for not turning your back on us. Thank you that you created Adam, that we could be created because the Father loves us. One more thing. I asked God one time, I said, Dad, why in the world would you create us? Why would you breathe breath into Adam? If you already knew the end, I think here's what God told me. When you're a parent, and you haven't had kids, 
You think about having kids someday. Yeah, that's good. Once you've had that child, there's a bond and a love that never dies. No matter what. And once God and Jesus looked down through time, and they saw you, and God the Father saw me, He said, Nathan, I loved you so much, I had to have you. So if God didn't create us, He couldn't have us. He loved you that much. And He was willing to pay the price so that we could be with Him. Oh, Father, we thank You for Your great sacrifice. Jesus, for all that You've done for us. How You loved us. How You blessed us, Father. You love us so much, God. Your love is unbelievable, Father. You love us in the hard times, in the good times. We thank You, God, for breathing breath of life into Adam. And for saving every one of us. For Jesus being crucified from the foundation of the world. But also for our names being written down in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. You knew us, God. And you already put our name in your book. What an awesome God you are. Father, I pray if there's any here that's lost. If there's anyone that's watching that's lost. Oh God. Oh God, have mercy. Have more mercy, God. Have more mercy, God. Bring them to repentance. Bring them to You, Lord. Let them hear this Word and may it go deep in their spirit, Lord. And they will repent of their sins and allow You to save them. Oh God, we confess that You are Lord. You are our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe You rose from the dead. We turn from our sins. We repent and we come to You, Father. We ask God in the name of Jesus. Cover this word with your blood, Daddy. Cover this word with your blood, Jesus. Holy is the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just thank Jesus for a minute? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. You knew you were that man on the cross, but you still said yes. You knew they would torture you to death, but you still said yes. You knew the pain and suffering that you would have to endure. But you still said yes. You're such a God of love. You love us so much, Father. You love us so much. We can't imagine your love, Father. Sometimes, Lord, it doesn't look like you love us when we're going through the hard things. But we know by faith, just like Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you hadn't forsaken him, Lord. It was just a matter of time. till you would not let your Holy One see corruption. He would be resurrected. Well, thank you, Jesus. How good you are, God. Oh, what a good God. Your word is such a mystery. It's such a puzzle. But so perfect, God. Your words are life and truth. In the name of Jesus. Father God loves you so much. Your name can be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. If there's anyone here that needs to pray, come on down. We'll pray. Anybody? Thank you all for being here. God the Father loves you so much, we can't even imagine it. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He prosper you. May His face shine upon you and give you grace. And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. 
Blessed you'll be in the city. Blessed you'll be in the field. Blessed will be the fruit of your body, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, the flocks of your sheep. Blessed will be the works of your hands. And all your enemies that arise up against you will be smitten before your face. They'll come out against you one way and flee before you seven. You'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And you will lend to many nations and shall not borrow. If you will hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, I command you to observe and do them this day. God, we submit to you. Be glorified in this church, God. Thank you for this family, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this church body. Thank you, God, there's people that love you. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you, God, for all your blessings that you have poured out upon us. Go in the Lord. Be blessed. God bless you. He loves you. You cannot imagine how great God loves you. Thank you all for coming. Amen.